The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms of Friday. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Uh, It is a beautiful Friday morning. And again, just to prove that I am a brilliant ray of sunshine, warming, brilliant ray of sunshine. Um, As soon as I left South Central, it got cold. It's like 15 degrees, uh, <clears throat> 15 to 20 degrees uh, down there in the uh, south central area, Wasilla, down on the peninsula and everything else. And uh, uh, it's a balmy 23 degrees here in Fairbanks uh, this morning here as I'm broadcasting live from the studios of KFAR Radio uh, up here getting ready for the big Go Winter Expo at the Carlson Center this weekend. Uh, you can come out and see me there. I'll be there all weekend. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess you know, it just proves that I'm warm and sunny. As soon as I leave, everything gets cold. Now, there's a big low-pressure trough that just uh, pulled in there, and they're expecting cold cold weather all weekend uh, down there in uh, much of South Central uh, all across. But it is going to stay clear and dry because of the high pressure that's capping the thing on top, apparently. I was reading about it this morning. but So it's going to be uh, cold uh, and clear and dry. So at least no snow it's supposed to warm up a little bit coming up into monday and tuesday um all right well today of course as you know is firearms friday your chance to sound off on issues of a two a nature um and we're going to be talking about firearms and gun rights and laws and everything else it's a we've got a jam-packed show for you this morning And uh, we're going to talk about that here in just a second. Uh, First, a little housekeeping. Um, I will be traveling uh, back uh, on Monday. Uh, And so I will not be available for the show uh, on Monday. So that's a... I know. I know. It's a tough thing. But, you know, I mean, I'm in one of those situations where uh, usually what I do is uh, just bomb right back on Sunday night after I'm finished up with the go winner and everything else. And I just couldn't do it this time. Just couldn't do it. Uh, So I will be taking uh, be taking my time coming home instead of uh, instead of. uh, you know, ramble shackle all the way home and do all that kind of stuff. So uh, no show for us on Monday. You'll have alternate programming in all the markets. Uh, just, a, just a big heads up to you there. So letting you know what's, uh, what's going on. Um, all right. We are uh, going to be joined this morning here in just a few moments by uh, Dr. John Lott, president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. Um, 
And he's going to be coming on to talk about his latest article, which just showed up in the Washington Times um, uh, day before yesterday, um, talking about the importance of the Second Amendment and especially in relation to what has just taken place in Israel. Um, and it should be a it should be a great discussion. We're going to go over that article here in a few minutes. Plus, we've got lots of stuff uh, about what's happening around the country, uh, specifically uh, what's happening in California. There is some uh, amazing news out of California. The hits just keep on a coming. Uh, the ripple effect of the Broom decision um, continues, uh, and it is having some monumental effects. And uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about that here uh, in hour two uh, after we finish up with Dr. John Lott. Um, and there's just so many different things that we could uh, that, that I'm just excited to talk about. And then finally, at the end of the show today, we'll, we will uh, we will uh, be finishing up with Willie Waffle from WaffleMovies.com about the weekend movie reviews and the entertainment news and everything else, which I know a lot of people are just like, oh, bring on the politics or the gun stuff or man, I just, but I just want to leave the week. I just want to leave on a high note. You know, I just want to leave on a funny chuckle. What's going on in the frivolous land of Hollywood and in movies and things like that. Uh, because, uh, if you're just listening to the show or just discovering the show here recently, I'm a huge fan of uh, of entertainment and movies and things like that. Uh, not a sports fan, not really, a, um, uh, you know, not regular. Te- but I love movies and I love uh, I love good uh, streaming series and I love good music and everything like. So we're we're gonna <clears throat> we're gonna talk about that. It should be a. A fun stuff, fun stuff. Um, so that's the that's the big news for today. That's the full rundown before I cut you to the curb and you guys don't get a show on Monday. I keep waiting for Rattles to call up and tell me what a slacker I am. But, you know, unfortunately, I can't stream and drive and do all that kind of – it's just – no. All right. So um, what? How, how are we going to get started today? Uh, I guess we will – let me just give you a little bit of a tease here on Dr. Lott's article, which you can find over at the Washington Times. The title of the article is Second Amendment Matters in a Time of Crisis, the Importance of Good Guys with Guns. And Dr. Lott's uh, piece talks about uh, a kibbutz where civilians were armed in Israel, and they were able to hold off the terrorist attack. And uh, talking about the number of people who are armed and what's going on with the Jewish population and uh, how it, why it matters and what it means in the overall scheme of things. And then bringing it back to America to talk about what, um, uh, what it means for us and what does it mean when police officers and other private organizations who support police officers are saying that they believe that the way to prevent a lot of these kind of things from happening, uh, because, again, that the worst part about things like terrorists, uh, et cetera, is that they have a huge, uh, whether it's terrorists or it's just mass shooters, just madmen, is that they have a huge strategic advantage because they determine the time and place of the attacks. Uh, they can wait for people to leave or a police officer or security guard to leave. They can wait. They can do or they can attack those people first if they, uh, you know, so there's a huge advantage there. 
and how do we level a playing field? Dr. John Lott will join us to discuss that here in a uh, in just a few minutes. Some good news coming out of this morning uh, of the of the, uh, the D.C. area this morning. Well, I mean, good news on the face. We don't know the details yet or anything else. Um, you know, the VA, uh, the Veterans Administration, is probably one of the most castigated agencies in the country. I mean, there's a joke about the VA, right? It gives veterans a second chance to die for their country kind of thing. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a pretty sight. You've seen how these things have uh, gone down. One of the more alarming things that they uh, have been uh, at the heart of over the last few years, though, is the idea that the VA has the authority to take away patients' rights in regards to their gun rights. Now, uh, you know, if someone is suicidal or, or, you know, they want to extrovert that, they're homicidal, you know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be able to do something about that. But unfortunately, the VA, in its infinite wisdom, has included people in that category of taking away their gun rights who simply needed some help with their finances or were physically disabled. Uh, anybody that had a conservatorship, um, maybe they had a, uh, uh, you know, maybe they were, they just couldn't do the sums anymore. They couldn't balance their checkbook anymore. Or it was just too stressful or whatever. Um, and, you know, anybody that needed help or was physically disabled, they were plucking people's gun rights away at an alarming rate. Now, this has a lot of different uh, this has a lot of different issues with it uh, because primarily what it does in my mind is it really, first of all, doesn't keep people safer. And what it really does is drive veterans kind of into the medical no man's land, the medical underground. They don't want to go get the help they need because they are afraid that they will be stripped of their rights. Well, apparently now Senator John Kennedy and Chuck Schumer have worked out a deal on a bill uh, to protect a veteran's gun rights. This is according to Newsmax. At issue was an amendment proposed by Kennedy, who's a Republican from Louisiana, that would allow military veterans who have to enter a conservatorship the ability to keep their firearms. Kennedy told The Hill, I just left Chuck's office. I think we got it worked out. We're going to hotline some new language. Frankly, I think it makes my amendment stronger. Now, not now, not everyone's going to be happy. Kennedy's amendment was proposed as part of the Senate's minibus appropriations bill that would fund the Departments of Transportation, Housing, Urban Development, and Veterans Affairs and Agriculture. Uh, Kennedy said the original position was they wanted me to pull my amendment down, and I said no. Now, supposedly, if this goes through, it's a promise to protect the gun rights of veterans throughout the nation. Um, and I guess that's a good thing. Although he is dealing with Chuck Schumer. Oh, chuckles. Oh, oh chuckles. Um, and uh, I think you need to take that with a grain of salt. The thing about conservatorships, according to Tom Knighton over at Bearing Arms, is that it's not always because someone is mentally incompetent. If they are, they can be adjudicated and their gun rights can be revoked that way. But it's not the VA's place to determine if a veteran is incompetent or not. Many people enter conservatorship for various reasons, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're unable to exercise their rights to keep and bear arms. But again, the big challenge here is that veterans aren't going to be utilizing VA services if they fear that their gun rights are going to be taken away. They just they won't get the help that they need. And that's a problem.
I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be, but that's a problem. So hopefully Kennedy's bill is a fix to that. Again, we don't really have any details right now. And again, Chuck Schumer is the one. This is a guy who's not exactly you know, gun friendly. Um, maybe maybe he's just trying to swallow a little bit of something to get something on later on. We just We just don't know. Again, there's no details. But potentially good news for uh, potentially good news for veterans out there who have been dealing or been putting off dealing with the VA because they have been fearful of, uh, again, losing those gun rights. And, and this is a problem really not just with the VA. This is a problem with red flag laws that we see across the country where if somebody is seeking help, um, you know, because of depressive issue or something like that, some people are just kind of scared to talk to somebody about it because they're afraid that, well, you know, they, they don't know. Are, are, are you going to say that I'm crazy and you want to take away my gun rights? Is that what you're going to say? Um, and if they avoid it, I mean, it just exacerbates the situation. Uh, again, uh, adjudication is the method by which this stuff can be taken care of. But that's a whole process that that's a whole thing that has due process. It has your right and your ability to defend yourself and everything else versus the red flag laws. So, I mean, I, this is a good thing. Uh, we'll see what it means in the long run, uh, but we've got to get the details first. But I just thought that was a bit of good news this morning out of Washington, D.C. All right. Well, we're coming up on it. We've got uh, Dr. John Lott going to be joining us here in a few minutes. We're going to be talking about his latest piece in the Washington Times in regards to the Second Amendment, the importance of good guys with a gun. And he'll wrap that back around to what's happening in Israel and then, of course, back here to the United States and anything else that happens to be on Dr. Lott's mind this morning, we're going to hit on The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Too many buttons to press this morning. Let me go over here. I see Dr. John Lott is in the green room ready to go here. And we're going to talk to him in just a hot second. Let me uh, just go real quick here, scroll through some of the comments, make sure there wasn't anything super important that everybody laid out with me this morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning to everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be here on Monday. I know that doesn't give you a reason to get out of bed. <laughs> put your pants on. Come on, just put, put, grab them with both feet. Let's go on. Uh, Anthony says the VA. Don't get me started on the VA. Um Veterans who are using the VA aren't getting the help they need. I know this is again. This is a it's a tough it's a tough situation. Um, yeah, they don't even need to declare you crazy, says Anthony, at the VA. They just say you've got your you've got back you've got bad batteries in your smoke detectors, which shows a clear pattern of neglect. So you're a danger to others and yourself. Give me your guns. I mean, oof. It's, yeah, it's, I, I hear a lot from my friends who have been in the military, the, the nightmare that is the VA. Having them have the ability to take your firearms is just insult to injury at this point. So, 
All right. Um, looks like I've gotten through all that stuff. Dr. Lott is uh, here. Let's go over and we will uh, test out everything here and get him ready to go this morning and see what we can uh, see. What we can see. Good morning, Dr. Lott. How are you this morning? Doing well. How about yourself? You know, no complaints. No complaints. It's a... Uh, it's a beautiful day in paradise. It's uh, sunny and well, it's dark right now, but it'll be sunny and about twenty degrees. So we're 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 into the middle of getting ready for winter to go. Okay, yeah. I, well, I'm in Montana, so it's probably not quite as dark, but uh, we're getting ready for winter too. We're yeah. supposed to get snow next week. Yeah, I've been watching you. Uh, now, you did you recently move to Montana? Because you, I've been seeing a lot of pictures on your Facebook of the different areas and views from your porch and everything else. Is that uh, is that something recent within the last couple of years? Uh, yeah, about four years ago. Nice. Um, so. Yeah, it's uh, something about something about being out in kind of that freedom country is definitely a uh, a good thing. Uh, well, I'm excited well, to I'm excited after I worked after I worked in Washington D.C. I, I basically wanted to get about as far away from D.C. as I could. So. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I guess I could have tried Alaska, but the plane flights to give talks would have been a little bit too long there. That's true. Yeah, we are. I mean, although unless you were talking in Europe all the time, we are kind of the center point for flights to Europe. But yeah, in the U.S., it definitely would have added a lot of time to what you didn't need. So that's for sure. Uh, well, we're, we're glad to have you and uh, we're happy to talk about this stuff. Um, and uh, I'm excited to hear uh, some of the things that you have to say. Um, what uh, any- Just some of the things? Just You're just excited about some of the things i have all to right say. well i have to admit all of the things you're gonna have to say that's it john that's it okay yeah, you it's... really know how to hurt a guy's yeah. feelings so. well i gotta tell you i love uh, every time you write something i'm trying always trying to track it down and i, I actually created a google what do they call that uh, google news alert uh on my yeah. google thing so that anytime you post something i'm trying to make sure it doesn't always catch everything but uh and then you are kind enough to always send me a a a text if there's something really hot that you wrote so i appreciate that um but yeah we're ready to we're ready to go here and get things out so we are just about a minute out john uh, hold the line i'll be right back to you i'm going to put you on uh, put you on mute for a second here and get uh, things ready um breaking news no snow till the second week of november said rick well i mean Fingers crossed, we can we can hope for that. That would be unusual, but it, I would not say no to that at this point. When I hit that snow yesterday, driving up from down south to Fairbanks, um, it wasn't a rude awakening, but it was definitely an unwelcome awakening when I hit that snow coming north from Fairbanks because I left my house with sunshine and green grass, and uh, all that snow up here is definitely depressive. All right, uh, thirty seconds out, ready to rejoin the Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Please like and share this. Please share. Uh, if you want more folks to hear about what Dr. Lott has to say, um, you got to share it. And it doesn't matter where you are, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, wherever you're watching this, you can share it out, and we'll be uh, uh, and everybody will be happier because they got the good information. So let's uh, let's continue on here. Five seconds now. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
right, welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming in and joining us. Firearms Friday continues right now. On the program with us this morning is Dr. John Lott. He is the president of the Crime Prevention Research Center, author of a whole slew of books, uh, More Guns, uh, Less Crime, uh, War on Guns. Uh, I mean, just uh, there's so many different ones. Uh, but he's also a, a very prolific author when it comes to opinion pieces and news articles. His most recent one was published in the Washington Times, and it talks about the importance of the Second Amendment um, and really kind of paints a picture in relation to what's happening in Israel and, of course, the idea that a good guy with a gun makes all the difference. So we welcome Dr. John Lott to the program this morning uh, and say good morning, doctor. Thanks for coming on board. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, so this article is a great piece, and I appreciate uh, appreciate all your hard work on it. Um, let's get started with this talking about, of course, you know, this points out, uh, and this being the attack uh, of the this brutal and evil attack by Hamas on Israel on the 7th of October. This points out uh, in graphic detail um, why the idea of a good guy with a gun makes a difference. I mean, we talk about where there were kibbutzes or different areas. Some homes had firearms, and they in turn were able to prevent some of the things that were going on and uh, and hold out against uh, terrorists, etc. cetera. Uh, and this, this actually shows us this, – there's, there's lessons to be learned here, I guess, in this in light of this evil act we as uh, as uh, americans can learn some of these lessons give me your thoughts uh yeah well uh, uh, israel's had huge changes in their gun control laws over time uh israel obviously has faced terrorist attacks from even before they became a country uh if you look at the attacks, though, there was a big change in, in the attacks and how they occurred in 1972, and there's a simple reason for that. Prior uh, to 1972, the way that they dealt with terrorist attacks was to go and put more military, more police on the streets. But what they discovered, uh, civilians weren't allowed to carry. And what they discovered was that no matter how much money they spent, no matter how many officers they put on the street, they simply couldn't. Uh, cover all the possible targets, and that these terrorists had real tactical advantages. So, for example, if you have a police officer on a bus and you have a terrorist there, the terrorist can either wait uh, until after the officer leaves before they attack, or they can go and move on to another target themselves, or they can try to kill the officer first uh, and then know that they'll have free reign to go after everybody else that's on the bus because they won't be armed. Um, in 1972, what Israel did was it began to allow civilians to carry uh, concealed handguns for protection. Uh, afterwards, you had as high as maybe 14% of the adult population with, with permits. And what you found was that radically changed uh, the tactical advantages that the terrorists had. Uh, you know, a terrorist, you know, in Alaska, you may have, I don't know, 10% or so of the adult population caring. You go to a movie theater or a mall or a restaurant or a grocery store, it's very likely that somebody nearby is caring, but you would never know whether or not uh, a person's caring or not. And the same thing's true with the terrorist. He may have 30 people behind him on the bus. And if he's trying to decide whether to go after uh, uh, the police officer there, uh, you know, he reveals his position and he has to worry 
that while he's trying to take out the police officer, there may be one or two of those 30 people behind him who will be able to go and stop him. Right. And what you saw is that uh, prior to 72, almost all the terrorist attacks in Israel involved machine guns. After 1972, virtually all of them involved bombs. But the thing is, just as we've had a debate here in the United States over gun control, unfortunately, Israel has had the same type of debate. Uh, in September, uh, before the religious holidays, the national police went out and advised anybody who was able to legally carry uh, to be able to go and do so because of possible terrorist attacks that can occur uh, during the holidays. The thing is, uh, the politicians on the left went out and started talking about how dangerous it was for civilians to be able to go and carry. and. People have to know, up until recently, they've only had now about 3% of the adult Jewish population uh, being allowed to go and carry. Uh, so there weren't that many people who were able to carry as re even when the police were calling for them to do so. I mean, you can imagine uh, how the attack at the music festival might have turned out differently if you had had some people there carrying guns. Uh, it would have at least slowed down the attackers and given other people uh, a chance to go and escape. Uh, but they weren't able to do that. And, you know, a couple kibbutzes where they were able to go into the arms locker and pass out weapons to uh, the civilians that were there, uh, they had very different outcome there in terms of being able to protect people. I mean, anybody who watches the videos about how Israelis were huddled up in bomb shelters and just had to wait for the terrorists to come in and go and kill them. Uh, oh, that could have been very different. But you know, on Sunday, after the terrorist attack, on Saturday, uh, the Israeli uh, minister of security uh, issued a rule that dramatically changed the issuing of permits. So you could basically, if you didn't have a criminal record, you could call in and they would automatically grant you uh, the ability to go and carry. Uh, it's too bad that that didn't happen a week earlier or a month earlier. Uh, a lot of the carnage that happened with, I guess, about 1,400 people right now that they believe uh, were murdered uh, could have been very different. Yeah. Well, and, and it really some of the other restrictions that you saw, because we used to think of Israel as not necessarily the Wild West, but much freer in their laws uh, in many ways than many places in America. And that may have been true back in 1972. But as of by now, you've seen that again, you've seen a reduction. You quote that at the beginning of your article talking about how today it's just 3% of the population. 20 years ago, it was 10% of the population. And they have some really wild restrictions, uh, including a 50-round limit per year in ammunition purchases. And even the emergency orders only allowed for a doubling of that, 100 rounds, which uh, there was a story of a, of a mom and a dad uh, protecting their family. They had guns, but and they both were able to protect their children who survived, but they were both killed 
between the two of them, they only had 100 rounds of ammunition facing off however many terrorists there were. And so what if they had had two or 300 rounds of ammunition? Would they have been able to survive? I mean, there's some stories here that definitely uh, uh, raise this to the, uh, you know, raise the, the idea of this. We need to remember that we do have some freedoms, and it's one of the reasons why we need to protect it, because as you point out, the tactical advantage. A terrorist can choose the time and the place. They can do anything they want. And you quote in here, one of the biggest quotes in here, an incredible 94% of mass shootings in the United States occur in places where civilians are banned from having guns at all. And that just, I mean, that just points out some of the problems that we're having around the country today with places like New York and California picking all these safe spaces and everything else. Right. Well, I mean, one of the ironies is uh, you have uh, Biden after the mass public shootings earlier this year in California. Uh, uh, Biden goes to California and basically says that the rest of the United States are to adopt the types of gun control laws that they have in California. The problem with that is that California uh, actually has a very high rate of mass public shootings. Uh, whether you look at the years from 2000 on or 2010 on or 2020 on, uh, California's rate is much higher than the average for the rest of the states. And in many years, uh, you know, twice as high as a state like Texas. I mean, one of the ironies is last year uh, you had these billboards springing up in Los Angeles and San Francisco warning Californians not to move to Texas because of the supposedly high rate of mass public shootings that are occurring in Texas. Uh, but, you know, the media didn't kind of fact check to see whether or not that was true or not. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a simple thing that goes on. You look at uh, much of California already was a gun-free zone in Los Angeles County, where we had two uh, mass public shootings, big ones earlier this year. Uh, there was uh, uh, only about one concealed carry permit holder for every 5,600 uh, uh, adults in the county. Uh, in Northern California, uh, San Mateo, where they had another big mass public shooting, uh, there was only one permit holder for every 24,000 adults. So, you know, somebody who go, you know, compared to the rest of the country outside of uh, California and, and New York, you have about 10.4% of adults are, are legally having a permit to carry. And that doesn't even account for the fact that in 27 states, including Alaska, you're now your constitutional carry. So it's not even necessary to have a permit. So, you know, one only can only guess how many more people than that are, may actually be carrying. So uh, anyway, it provides some real uh insights into why, uh, you know, a, a mass murder uh, in California doesn't have very much to worry about in terms of somebody being there to possibly stop them. And, and you know, the thing is, I, I wish the media would cover the whole manifestos, or at least the part of the manifestos from these mass murders or their diaries about why they pick the targets that they do. I mean, take something like the Covenant school shooter in Nashville, Tennessee, earlier this year. Uh, the Biden administration still has not released uh, the, man of, the diary that the killer had, but the Nashville police chief had gotten to, uh, a look at it before it was turned over to the Biden administration. 
And, uh, and he had a press conference where he said that mass murderer had actually planned on attacking another place, another target, a mall, but had decided not to go after that because of armed security that was there. Uh, people were also allowed to carry concealed handguns there. And so uh, the, a murderer there went after, uh, went after the, the school because uh, they knew it was a place that wouldn't have protection. You know, just one other point about the laws that create these gun-free zones in, in Tennessee, uh, violating the school gun-free zone is punishable by up to six years in prison. For you and I, six years in prison, that's a major penalty. Our lives would be completely changed as a result of uh, going to jail for six years. But take something like this mass murderer. Let's assume that the mass murderer had lived. Uh, they killed six people. Uh, they're already going to be facing six life sentences or six death penalties. Well, somebody who faces six life sentences say, you know, I can live with six life sentences, but you add another six years onto it, and that's just too much. That right, will stop right. me from being able to go and commit this um, this atrocity there. Right. And and so the problem that you have is that these laws, the only thing that they do is assure the murderer that the murderer doesn't have to worry about some uh, good person there being able to go and stop them. It's the criminalization of law-abiding citizens who are, by their very definition, law-abiding. They can carry and live within the norms of society and be able to protect themselves. Uh, but instead, they want to penalize everyone uh, for the actions of a very few, specifically those uh, those criminals who, again, by definition are criminals, are going to break the law. It's a shocking thing. But the biggest thing, of course, is that many of the people who are pushing back against this are basically all politicals, all politicians. You quote in this article um, uh, from several organizations that are law enforcement organizations, not agencies, not led by some political appointee or a police chief, but the rank and file members, police believe that that is the best way for the, for society and citizens to be protected is to have armed citizens. So let's talk about that for a second. Right. Well, I mean, uh, look, police uh, obviously have to deal with this. They run into bad guys all the time. They know the benefit to themselves of being able to go and have guns. Anybody who's uh, read my academic research knows that I think police are the single most important factor for reducing crime. But the one thing the police know themselves that you can see from surveys is that the police realize that they virtually always arrive on the crime scene after the crime's committed. Uh, that doesn't take anything away from their ability to go and deter criminals or arrest criminals that are there, but it raises the question about what people should do when they're having to confront a criminal by themselves and simply telling people to behave passively uh, isn't a very good option. Uh, in fact, it's the most dangerous option often uh, for people to take when they're having to confront a criminal by themselves. It'd be great if the police were there all the time, but they're not. Right. And it turns out that having a gun uh, is by far the safest course of action for people to take. 
Uh, Dr. John Lott is our guest, uh, president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. You can find him at uh, uh, crimeresearch.org if you want to see a lot of his writings and everything else. We're going to continue our discussions with him in just a moment. Uh, we'll talk a little bit. I want to talk to him a little bit about the Bruin decision and some of the effects there, what he's seeing across the states, and uh, whatever else Dr. Lott has got under his uh, hat for today. We'll be discussing in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Bay. Free Thinking Radio will return with more right after this. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes, allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the, on the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, Dr. Lott is our guest. Uh, We're continuing right now, uh, getting ready to uh, jump into this. Let me... I'm broadcasting remotely today, so a lot more buttons and bells and knobs to tool to make everything work today. Uh, Dr. Lott, uh, uh, I do want to talk with you if you have some time here uh, to talk a little bit about the effects of the Bruin decision and what it means. Uh, I'm assuming that you've seen what's happened in California over the last couple days and some of the decisions that have come out of there. Um, And I kind of want your take on that. Uh, And I think this goes back to what I was saying earlier about all these blue and liberal states after Bruin they were forced by the courts to change their uh, to change their uh, concealed carry permit schemes, uh, but at the same time they continue to throw roadblocks up for citizens and and basically make people more unsafe. Uh, and so I'd love to talk about that. What else are you working on uh, these days, Doctor? What are, what other stories could people be looking forward to seeing from you here in the next uh, week or two? Well, I mean, we just put out uh, an amicus brief on a case that the Supreme Court's going to be hearing in, uh, on November 7th. Uh, there's a case called Rahimi, uh, where um, an individual uh, with basically a civil decision without even a hearing uh, had his guns taken away. Uh, the problem is, is that this is a pretty bad guy. Uh, he had lots of violent crimes that were there. Right, and you can worry that uh, bad cases make bad law, so to speak. And given how uh, uh, John Roberts is kind of very political on these things, uh, you kind of worry that he might vote the wrong way on this type of thing because it would have a, a really major decision. And the reason is, I mean, you mentioned Bruin. Um, uh, in Bruin, uh, uh, Clarence Thomas uh, gave a a clear rule on what courts are supposed to follow. Uh, and that is, you go and look at the text of the Second Amendment. If that's not clear, you go and look at the legislative debate. If that's not clear, then what you do is you go and see what laws were in effect in either 1791, when the Second Amendment was ratified, or in 1868, when the 14th Amendment uh, was ratified and applied the Bill of Rights to the states. Well. The type of law that's relevant Rahimi wasn't enacted federally until 1994, long after those rules were in effect. Um, and so uh, it's clear that uh, it wouldn't have met uh, Clarence Thomas's test that was there. Uh, 
the problem that you have with Bruin is while there are four justices, including Thomas, which agreed with his decision in full, uh, you have uh, Kavanaugh wrote a concurrence and, and Roberts uh, joined that, which said uh, they thought that Thomas was right in terms of the logic on how to evaluate these laws, but at the same time, uh, listed a whole bunch of laws that they thought were constitutional that didn't meet that, that standard. And so uh, the problem with Rahimi is if, if, uh, if the court, if you have uh, Kavanaugh and Roberts kind of go with the three uh, uh, liberals on the court, uh, you'll end up with a situation where a lot of Bruin will be uh, overturned. Right. Uh, then, see, here's the problem with judges. Judges like power. Uh, they don't like bright line rules. So you look at something like the First Amendment, and the First Amendment says Congress shall pass no law with regard to freedom of the press or religion or assembly or other things that are there. And uh, uh, But the way the courts interpreted it is Congress shall pass no law unless Congress has a good reason. And we, the judges, get to determine whether or not we think Congress has a good reason or not. And so they develop all these so-called balancing tests and what have you. Yeah, uh, When I was uh, teaching in law schools, I would kind of make the joke, what would they have had to write if they really meant Congress shall pass no law? Would they have to write Congress will never, ever, 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 ever pass such a law? Uh, and they say, okay, now they mean it. Uh, it seems pretty clear. I mean, anybody who can read normal English would say Congress shall pass no law. I mean, how much clearer could they be on that? But um, but judges don't like that because if they kind of muddy things up there and get rid of the bright lines, then, you know, they are the ones who ultimately get to make these policy decisions. And the same thing is true with the Second Amendment. Uh, shall not infringe. Uh, you would think for people that could normally read English, that would be pretty clear. But uh, uh, my guess is uh, Roberts and possibly Kavanaugh, though I, I hope not, are going to think that it, they should judge on a, a law-by-law -law basis whether or not they think that uh, it should be constitutional or not. And if that's right. the case then a lot of the cases that you're referring to in California and what have you are going to be kind of thrown into limbo where... Yeah, we uh, got to... Yeah, I'm sorry, we got to jump back in here. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Dr. John Lott is our guest. Here we go. Let's do it. All right, Dr. John Lott is our guest. We're continuing here on this Firearms Friday. Uh, Dr. Lott was just talking about uh, the Supreme Court case decision on Bruin. And uh, we see it as, uh, we, I mean me in the show, and, and I think most of you see it as one of the best decisions that has come out of the Supreme Court in regards to gun rules 
uh, I mean, I think it's it. You know, it it, it continues to lay the foundation on top of uh, uh, Miller and Heller and all the other uh, laws that have been put out there. Uh, but Do- Dr. Lott just pointed out to one flaw in this, and that is the uh, the kind of the, it wasn't a split decision, but the four judges were all uh, unanimously decided that it was good. But Kavanaugh and Roberts concurred but with some caveats and i think this is the first time i've really heard some of the different differentiations in there and uh so dr lott if you could reiterate again some of the dangers that comes out of uh this kind of split in bruin although they all voted for it the concurrence at the end was kind of a split concurrence so if you could lay that back out again for folks on the radio i'd appreciate it sure i mean uh clarence thomas's decision in bruin was pretty straightforward uh, he was saying that, look, uh, in order to go and judge whether a law is constitutional or not, you go and you read what the Second Amendment says. If it's not clear from that, you go and uh, uh, look at the legislative debate that was held at the time. And if that's not clear, uh, you go and look to see what laws were in effect in either 1791 when the Second Amendment was ratified or in 1868 when the 14th Amendment was ratified and applied the Bill of Rights to the state. And, uh, uh, but uh, you had four justices, including uh, Thomas, who, uh, who uh, signed on with that. You had a concurring opinion uh, that was authored by uh, Justice Kavanaugh and uh, uh, signed on by Roberts who said that they agreed with the logic that Thomas put forward on how to evaluate the law. But the problem is then they went and listed out a whole bunch of laws uh, that clearly wouldn't have met that test. Uh, and, and the concern is, is that you have judges and justices uh, who don't like bright lines, who like to be able to go and decide on a case-by-case basis, whether or not they think a law is constitutional or not, rather than having the types of uh, bright rules that, uh, that uh, Justice Thomas uh, put forward. And, uh, uh, and so uh, the example I gave you during the break was you look at something like the First Amendment, where it says Congress shall pass no law. You know, I don't know what more they could have written uh, in order to make that clear if that's what they meant. Would they have to write Congress shall never, ever, 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 ever pass a law. And they say, okay, they meant it. Because the way uh, the Supreme Court is interpreted over time is that Congress shall pass no law unless they have a good reason. And we, uh, the justices and judges, get to be the ones who determine whether or not we think it's a good reason or not. Right. And judges like to be the final arbiters. They, They like to muddy things up. They don't like bright lines because it restricts their power. Right. And unfortunately, I, the implication is, is that uh, on November 7th uh, for oral arguments called Rahimi, uh, which may muddy this up a lot because you have uh, a really bad guy there. The guy had a long, violent criminal arrest record. Unfortunately, uh, he wasn't really prosecuted. For those cases, uh, all the violent crimes, he was a drug dealer and stuff. Um, but there was a civil case uh, which uh, uh, took away his guns. And uh, but you know the difference between a criminal case and a civil case 
is that in a criminal case, you have to have beyond a reasonable doubt right. for taking away somebody's gun. So it's like 98% sure uh, that the person actually did it. In a civil case, it's just the, what they call the preponderance of the evidence. Is it like 50.1% versus 49.9% sure that the person uh, did the act? And in fact, there wasn't even a hearing, and the person didn't even have a lawyer uh, uh, during the process here. Uh, at least in criminal cases, you have a lawyer to represent you uh, if you're going to face losing certain rights. And uh, and so the problem is, is that uh, the type of law which took away Rahimi's guns wasn't adopted until 1994. So it That's fails. Long yeah. after so it fails the test. Yeah. 1791 or 1868, and and uh, but since this guy's a bad guy, there. Uh, you know, the pressure will be on uh, Kavanaugh and Roberts, uh, particularly Roberts will be likely to fold, uh, who will look at the politics of this, saying, well, it's a bad guy, we don't want him to have a gun. You know, you or I might think, well, you know, maybe you should have prosecuted him for some of these violent <laughs> felonies that he'd already committed, uh, maybe, uh, or, you know, had bail that kept him in jail. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, rather than have to go and rely on some backup there. Well, it reminds me of the old Benjamin Franklin quote, uh, or maybe one that's attributed to Franklin that said, better a hundred bad men go free than one good man be, you know, imprisoned kind of thing. Uh, they should have been, you know, focusing on the laws that were on the books and prosecuting him for that instead of utilizing this constitutionally questionable law in the end to make it stick. So it's it's definitely exactly. it's definitely frustrating. And like you said, uh, they want that wiggle room. They want that discretionary power, judges and justices across the country, to be able to interpret the laws as they see fit. And and Bruin has gone a long way to stopping some of these lesser judges in doing that. But uh, it is it is. Uh, yeah, it's you know even then it's largely uh, whether the judges are Democrats or Republicans that are determining how, what they're doing. So you look at the Ninth Circuit. Um, you know, even if you have uh, Benitez in San Diego as a federal judge uh, striking down some of these laws as unconstitutional, uh, the overall uh, circuit is controlled by Democrats, and they're doing whatever they can to uh, slow walk these cases and prevent them from getting to the Supreme Court uh, for any type of decision. You know, the, 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 what's happening is, is that at the end of the next uh, administration, Clarence Thomas will be 80, Sam Alito will be 78. Uh, you lose one or both of those individuals, you'll have a very different uh, Supreme Court. And they're, you know, at the end of next year, Democrats will control uh, 67% of uh, the circuit and district court judges in the country. Um, and at, at the end of the next administration, they may control something near 80% of them. And if you look at uh, these decisions, about 98% of the time, if you know the judge's political affiliation, you know how they're going to rule on, uh, on these cases. 
down, we're down to the last couple minutes here, Dr. Lott, so I just want to uh, uh, finish up and, and talk about anything else that you are working on for folks out there who are listening on the radio or on the internet, uh, some of the things they should be looking out for from CPRC or from yourself, some of your opinion pieces. Dr. John Lott, president of the Crime Prevention Research Center, uh, give you the floor here. Sure, that's that's nice here. Well, you know, uh, we've been... We actually had an empirical study that was relevant for the Rahimi case, uh, where we looked at uh, what impact uh, these types of uh, restraining orders, these civil restraining orders, had on things like uh, domestic violence. And uh, while maybe preventing a felon uh, could go from having guns can be useful for that. we couldn't find any evidence that there was a beneficial effect uh, in terms of, uh, of, of these civil type actions, which have a much lower standard of proof that's necessary to go and take away uh, somebody's guns. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't even, aren't even represented by lawyers when they go into these types of cases, because it may cost you $10,000 or more to have a lawyer. And if, you know, the bad thing's going to happen is you're going to lose your guns. A lot of people will say, you know, I want to yeah. have a gun, but is it really worth $10,000 to me exactly. to go and, uh, you know, put on the proper defense that is there? Dr. So, Dr. John Lott, uh, our guest for today. Doctor, thank you so much. Hold the line for just a second. Folks, we're out of time. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Uh, Dr. Lott, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the scary part is how many, and this is the continuing push that we see is because of the bad actions of a few. And Benitez and his decision, which we're going to talk about here in the next hour uh, on the assault weapons ban in California, really goes into detail about this. Um, And, uh, you know, it talks about the actual percentages. And I mean, it's like, Point four or five zeros deep on the percentages of bad, you know, people who are doing bad things, and you want to punish the ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people who are doing who are lawful legal gun owners. It makes absolutely right. no sense. All right, I mean, you're talking about, according to the National Crime Victimization Survey, maybe uh, two hundred forty thousand, three hundred thousand gun crimes that are committed each year in the United States. Uh, you know, if each crime gun is used on average twice, which is probably an underestimate, uh, you know, you compare that to, you know, maybe 400 million guns owned in the United States. Uh, you know, you can see what tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of percent of uh, legally owned guns are used there. But the main thing to me is just looking at the ratio between crimes committed with guns versus defensive gun uses. Uh the best estimates that we have indicate that, uh, you know, at least 1.6 million, maybe 2 million times a year, people are using guns defensively. And, uh, you know, that's like five times more frequently that people use guns to stop crime than they use them to commit crime. Right. Uh, and, the, and the problem that you have, and people need to understand this, is that when you pass these laws, as you said earlier in the discussion, it's basically the most law-abiding citizens who obey these rules. And so if you pass, you know, let's just take something simple like a gun ban. Uh, 
if you ban guns and you're virtually always just taking guns away from law-abiding citizens, you may take a few guns away from the criminals, but if you're primarily taking guns away from law-abiding citizens, uh, you're making it easier for criminals to go and commit crime. And there's a reason why every place in the world, not just Chicago and, and Washington, D.C., where all handguns or all guns are banned, you see increases in murder rates and homicide rates after the ban because you're just make the law-abiding citizens are having their guns taken away, and it's making it easier for criminals to commit crimes. And it's the point is, a ban is a simple example, but that basic point about who you're disarming applies to gun control laws general. Right. Well, and again, as we say on this program many times, criminals, by the very definition of their name and who they are will break the law. They don't care. They're, they're, they're ambivalent to your laws, and it doesn't matter if there's a sign on the door of the mall that says no guns allowed here. If they've decided to go in and shoot up the mall, that sign is not going to stop them because they've already decided that they're not going to, uh, uh, to be part of societal norms in that regard. Well, let me give you a simple example, if I have a minute, and that is uh, you look at the Nashville Covenant school shooter from earlier this year. Uh, that person uh, in in Tennessee, it's a six-year penalty for violating a gun-free zone. Uh, for you or I, that would be a major life-changing penalty. Uh, but for this murderer who killed six people, let's say they had lived, they were they died at the scene, but let's say they had lived and they were facing six life sentences or six death penalties, do you think They'll say to themselves, you know, I can live with six life sentences, but you add another six years on that. Right. And that's just too much. I won't commit the crime. Yeah. So the the law, the only thing that the law does, I mean, penalties matter to these people. But the only thing that that penalty does is uh, to make it so that the most law abiding citizens are not going to be there to protect themselves and that it makes it that the criminals don't have to worry about somebody being able to protect themselves. Reminds me of that old saying, when guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it's kind of a truthism. Uh, either real criminals or even law-abiding citizens who decide to ignore the law, everybody becomes an outlaw at that point. Um, all right. Well, Dr. John Lott, thank you so much for coming on board. As always, it's a pleasure to speak to you. I look forward to your next, uh, to your next piece, and I appreciate you coming on board this morning. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for uh, coming on board. Dr. John Lott, president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. I'm going to post a link up to his uh, piece that we just talked about this morning uh, in the Washington Times, and you can find it uh, online, posting it up right now in the chat room for you to review. Um, Good stuff uh, from uh, Dr. John Lott. All right, well, we got some great stories here we're going to talk about next, including what's going on in California, and that is going to be our next big push. We're also going to open up the phone lines for folks who want to uh, chat about gun stuff today, and I hope you will be, uh, I hope you will be uh, uh, with us. Brian says, only outlaws uh, will have uh, guns. And, you know, and that's the problem with that saying. <clears throat> the saying is actually, it's pretty subtle. Uh, Because you say when guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns. Well, that's pretty obvious, right? Only the criminals will have guns. But in my mind, what it means to me is it means more than that. It means um, that average law-abiding citizens who believe the laws to be unconstitutional or ridiculous 
Will they themselves become quiet outlaws because they don't want to be disarmed? They don't want to lose their rights. They don't want to not be able to protect themselves. They'd rather, you know, they'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six, uh, so on and so forth. And so I think it is, uh, uh, I think it's a, it's, it's a, a truthism, but it's also very subtle in its means because I think there's many people out there who will basically say if they do pass laws, and Dr. Locke kind of paints a grim picture of the future with the uh, <clears throat> with the uh, um, uh, what's happening on the Supreme Court and how that could change. Um, I think you'll have a lot of Americans who basically will just at some point say, "I will not comply." All right, we got to go. Hour two, dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my new friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. And bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms Friday. Firearms Friday. Your chance to sound off on issues of a 2A nature right here on the Michael Duke Show. Uh, we're broadcasting live across the uh, internet at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream and links to our social media sites on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, where we are simulcasting the radio show every morning. You'll also find links to the podcast and more. And we're also broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station, and or FM Translator. Broadcasting live today from uh, the palatial studios of KFAR Radio here in Fairbanks. Getting ready for the big Go Winter Expo this weekend up at the Carlson Center. If you're up in the Fairbanks area you want to come say hi, you'll find me there at the Go Winter Expo in the Interior Alaska Gun Show. That'll be going on uh, 10 to 6 tomorrow and 11 to 5 on Sunday. And you can come out and uh, kind of beat your cabin fever, so to speak. Uh, I know some of you, you may not be feeling it. I got to tell you, as soon as I hit Fairbanks with all the snow, I immediately got hives. I was just like, oh, it's just 
the older I get and the more winters I go through, the less I like them. That's just kind of the way it is. I mean, I live in Alaska and it's something you got to live with, but I do not miss all this early snow. That is for sure. A little chilly around the state today. Uh, low pressure system sitting over South Central for sure. It was like 19 degrees at the house this morning, um, uh, according to my remote thermometer. Um, but 25 degrees up here in the interior. So that wasn't too bad. 24, I guess I should should say. 24 degrees up here in the interior and cool down on the peninsula as well. I saw somebody said it was 18 degrees at the Kenai Airport. So looking at a cold weekend, uh, but because there's a high pressure system on top of everything else, it's going to be clear uh, and dry, which I, I guess is the good news. So again, please Please continue to do the anti-snow dance down there. I'm trying to keep it so that I don't see snow that sticks until after Halloween. It's a bet that I have with myself. So please help me out and keep doing the anti-snow dance. Uh, All right. So Firearms Friday today, and I am opening up the phone lines uh, for those of you who would like to participate. Phone lines are open right now, 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. We just finished up with Dr. John Lott, president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. It was an excellent discussion, and if you missed that, you can go back and pick it up on the podcast or watch it on the podcast. Uh, or watch it on the replay on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, But a good discussion about what's going on, what happened in Israel with uh, Hamas and how armed Israeli citizens were able to defend themselves. And that should be a case study for people who, you know, for, for questions on whether or not good guys with guns can stop bad guys with guns. That that pretty much should <clears throat> say it all right there, and I think that's important. we got some great stories. Oh, one more thing. Uh, I will be traveling on Monday. I'll be traveling back home on Monday, and so I will not be here Monday morning. We will have, the show will be on hiatus for Monday. Uh, as I travel back. And uh, so you'll be left to your own devices for one day. I know it's a tough thing. One day you'll be left to your own devices next week. Uh, so uh, just heads up, heads up on that. Just get letting you know. Some of the stories that we're going to talk about today include the things that are happening down in uh, California. There's been some amazing things uh, happening in California in the uh, in the judicial department. What's going on there? We're gonna we're gonna talk about that and uh, and go over some of the different decisions and and actually read some of the court uh, decisions and and documents written by Judge Benitez. Um, this should be a uh, this is going to be amazing. It's just it's just going to be absolutely uh, amazing uh, to talk about. I'm super excited about it, and I hope that you will stick around with us. We're going to jump into the California stories in the next segment and uh, give you some things to talk about. But I will tell you right now, as we continue to look about what's unfolding, how things are unfolding in Israel, it's uh, I mean this is a it's a pretty monumental thing that's happening over there. Um, you have a group of people who are um, evil. I, I just don't know how else to put it. Evil. Um, anybody who thinks that killing women and children, um, uh, you know, the raping and beheading and the elderly and, and doing all this kind of stuff is a legitimate political maneuver there's something wrong with people like that. Now, I'm not again excusing some of the uh, some of the policies that Israel has had and everything else. You can be both anti-Hamas 
and not pro-Israel policy at the same time. I, you know, I believe Israel has the right to exist, and I believe that they are, you know, that they should have self-determination and everything. That doesn't mean that I've agreed with every policy decision that they, not that I have an effect on it. Again, but uh, the fact that uh, you've got a bunch of people in America, and this is what's really disturbing, is that you have a bunch of people in America who are not only um, supporting what happened, what, what, what went on, and Hamas's actions, but cheering them on. There's a video, a very disturbing um, video of a professor from, uh, I've forgotten where the professor is from, but he's a professor standing in front of a bunch of people talking about the, uh, the attacks of Hamas, talking about how exhilarated he was. How excited and how exhilarated he was to watch this unfold. Um, There's some serious mental illness going on right there. It's just all I can say. If you are exhilarated by watching videos of people being murdered and beheaded, children, elderly, teens, adults, people being gunned down in their homes and in their places of worship, if you are exhilarated by that, there is something wrong with you. I'm just there's just no two ways about it. There is definitely something in there that does not compute. And I think, uh, you know, Israelis around the country are definitely feeling that Cam Edwards over bearing arms rights uh, from a day or two ago talking about across the country that gun shops are now reporting a huge surge in sales and increased interest in training in the wake of what took place in um, in Israel. And of course, we've seen some things happen here in America even since then. Synagogues defaced, people attacked. There was a Jewish uh, student on campus who was beaten uh, by a group. We're seeing kind of this anti-Jew sentiment start to crop up. Uh, and there's been a few instances on the other side of it as well, uh, where people uh, have attacked people of Palestinian descent. And, and this is a very, very dangerous time for us, absolutely. In Hollywood, Florida, gun shop owner David Kowalski said sales have increased roughly 300% over the past week or so. Uh, most of his new customers, he said, were spurred on to take their personal safety more seriously by both events in Israel and concerns over uh, anti-Semitic attacks closer to home. Local 10 News in Florida reports uh, reports on this and quotes him, Israeli and Orthodox Jews for the most part, said Kowalski, just wanting to be trained to protect their families and have a firearm at home or on their person. Since last Saturday, we've seen a tremendous public display of how prevalent anti-Semitic, uh, anti-Semitism is and hate speech and how they want to rid the world of Jews. On Monday night at his store, a group of Jewish women took an introduction course on guns. Uh, N.D. Tenenhaus told Local 10 News most of the men in her synagogue are arming themselves. And she said, we said, what about the women? We need to do the things that we need to do to prepare, to be safe, and to be able to use a gun. God forbid we should ever need one. The same phenomenon is happening uh, happening in Texas. Uh, from MSN, David Price of Eagle Gun Ranges locations in both Dallas and Fort Worth area says, it's been a real big change the last three to four days of people coming in and saying they are scared for their lives because of their religion, that they are expecting to be attacked. He also has seen a nearly 300% increase in gun sales at his two locations immediately after the recent uh, uh, attacks in Israel on the Gaza Strip. He says his customers uh, are primarily Jewish, like a customer named Jake, 
who agreed to explain his motivation for visiting the location on Friday to practice at the shooting range. Uh, Jake uh, said, uh, asked that his face not be shown or to use his full name because of social media chatter about Israelis all over the world becoming potential targets. Uh, but he said it was like literally like living in the middle of a horror movie as he watched the news coverage of Hamas attacking Israeli uh, citizens. He says, from my experience in Israel, whenever something big happens, the Jews around the world, they suffer from it too as well. What uh, With what's going on over there, I'm more concerned about something going bad. And so you could see that this is... Uh, <clears throat> This is going to be a very, very difficult situation as it continues to unfold and the fighting, fighting and the violence continues uh, as well. In California, there was a lag of a few days, um, but they too in California, even with the gun laws that they have in place, um, is starting to pick up. Um, there's now evidence that sales uh, isn't uh, the sales spike isn't confined to just the conservative red states. Uh, they said that they have seen a higher rate of first-time buyers, a 25% increase in first-time gun buyers as well, according to one of the gun shop owners at Coyote Point Armory. He said, I think people finally come to the realization that it doesn't hurt to have a firearm in their home to protect themselves and their loved ones. A lot of people are on the fence. Of course, the first thing that came out after this happened and we started seeing this spike in uh, in gun purchases, local media outlets like the NBC Bay Area and the experts they interview see this as a horrible thing. The violence that we're witnessing in terms of the bombings and the violence overseas is causing folks to take things into their own hands rather than really focusing on our shared humanity and the devastating loss of all the victims in Gaza right now, said Dr. Jennifer Tran. She's a professor of ethics study at Cal State and said that during times of war, it's easy to blame and de- demonize others. It's easy to blame. And the victims in Gaza? Oh, man. What about the victims in Israel? I mean, seriously, this is just, but this is their immediate reaction. You know, it's, we should be focusing on our shared humanity. Is that shared humanity going to prevent you from being killed by somebody who hates you? I'm just, I'm asking for a friend, asking for a friend. All right. We got time for one phone call before we go to break. Let's go over there and see who it is and where they're calling from. And we will, uh, we'll get started and uh, see what's going on. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Mike. Fred in Rhode Island. How you been? Uh, good, Fred. Uh, I'll tell you what, you want to, uh, you want to, you got a quick chat or you want to hold on through the uh, news break here? Uh, hold on through the news break. Okay, good. Well, we'll put Fred back on hold here and we'll come to it because we are coming up on the break. So we might as well just uh, get her done. Might as well get her done right now. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we'll have more. It is the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Uh, If you'd like to get in the queue, now's the time to do it. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Back with more right after this. Now you're cooking with gas. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Okay. Uh, we're talking, uh, Fred's on hold right now. We're going to come back to it. We're just a few minutes out from here. Let me get caught up in the chat room here, and uh, um, and we'll go from here. Um, 
I just Tyler Tyler says, I just can't fathom. I just can't fathom it. Uh, he says, I just can't fathom how two American citizens can attack one another because of the actions of two foreign countries. I, I mean, I agree. I mean, I can't fathom. I can't. Here's the thing, Tyler. I can't fathom attacking another person because they have beliefs different than my own. I just can't. What does it matter, you know, what their belief is is in compared to mine, even if they don't like me? What is what does it matter? I mean, I, I can't I just I can't fathom it. That's it that's that's the thing. Um, Jeannie then responds to say, are they citizens or residents? Well, I mean, there is that. Are they registered aliens? Are they whatever? Um, that's a question. Um, Terry says for Monday's show, you should do a Facebook watch and let the, uh, and let the, the, uh, oh man. All of a sudden, my thing got real slow. Uh, Terry says we should do a Facebook watch on Monday and let the chat room run the show. Oh, man, that would be fun, huh? Uh, it's like, especially if we had Harold come on in. Wouldn't that be interesting? Um, going back here to see what else you guys are talking about here. Um Sean also makes a uh, Sean also makes a point here, which I think Dr. Lott has made in the past that crime in the UK and Australia uh, criminals can be pretty vicious. While in some cases their firearms crime have declined, the violent crime with other items has gone through the roof, absolutely gone through the roof. Uh, so yeah, it's not just about gun violence; it's about violence. Because while in some cases the gun violence has reduced, the uh, the rest of the violence category has swelled to make up the difference in those cases. Um, sorry, I'm um, they are voting again on on the House Speaker. You're never going to get Peltola to do what you want. She voted for Hakeem Jeffries, of all people. It's just, you know, she's not interested. She's going to ride this pony as long as she can. That that would have been that would have been good. Uh, it would have been it would have been great to let Tammy Wilson host the show. Says uh, Barbara. Barbara, I'm not going to try and toot my own horn here, but if you understood how much technical stuff has to happen behind the screen here while I'm doing the show live, um, most people, it would take quite a bit of training to do all the technical things that I'm doing behind the scenes to make all this work. It's one of the reasons why I've never attempted to have somebody guest host the show. First of all, because my home studio, they can't come to my home. My home studio is in my home, and it's like four by eight. It's not a, it's not a, two people in there would be crowded. Second of all, all the uh, technical stuff that has to do to me, because I'm talking to two radio stations and 16 translators and on the internet and cameras and sound and everything else. It is not just a matter of walking in and flicking on a microphone and going. So there's a lot of, again, not trying to toot my own horn, but there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Uh, sometimes I, maybe I make it look easy, but it's not. It's not. So 
it would have been a it would have been a great idea if I had somebody that could produce or do something like that remotely. It would be you know maybe one day, maybe one day we can do that. Um, wouldn't she also have to have a license? No, that's not a requirement. Only the master operator has to have a license anymore. Uh, I haven't renewed my FCC license in twenty years. That was the last time I had an FCC license. Okay, uh, we're jumping back into it here. Nine seconds, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Oh, shoot. Let me do this right here. Here we go. Okay, welcome back to the program. Here we go, uh, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Fred is on the line. He uh, held on through the last commercial break, and I wanted to give him a chance to have his say on what's going on. So let's jump over there right now. Good morning, Fred. What is on your mind, my friend? What's happening? Okay, good morning, Mike. Uh, yeah, I think what's going on, we have a lot of outside influence in this country, and probably more so now than in the years gone by, which is probably leading to a lot of the, a lot of our unrest problems in this country. You know, I mean, you know, this is the United States of America. We're not Israel, we're not, uh, we're not Palestine. You know, we, we are, we have our own issues to deal with, and for others to come into this country, apparently, it seems to be, the, the, I guess, the greatest pastime in the world is to infiltrate into the United States and cause problems there. You know, I mean, this, this seems to be the, the current mantra that's going on in the world today. We're, we seem to be uh, you know, on the, we, we seem to be in, in the bullseye of all the, all the BS that, you know, that, that's going on in the world, and it winds up on our doorstep, as usual. You know, there's nothing new there but over the years, but probably more so now than ever, which is creating a lot more problems than there should be it should be going on. The other thing is, you know, a lot of the uh, like the policies in Israel and a lot of these countries, other countries, have had very strict gun control. I mean, you think Israel every every time Dick and Harry would have a firearm, if not more, if, if not more than one, right? Because of the situation, you know, they live in a nihilist situation where at any moment they right. can be take, they can be attacked for any reason by you know by their neighbors. And that's been going on since hell before they were even a country. That was going on, probably more so now than ever. Right. But uh, apparently, they got, the Israelis came up with these crazy laws to make it so difficult, and you can only have a hundred rounds. Are you kidding? There's only fifty before all this. And what, what the hell is a hundred? A hundred is what's that going to do? It's going to scare maybe a handful of people. And after what half that hundred rounds are up, now what? You know, you just, you just, you just you're, 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 you're a target. You're sitting duck. Doesn't make any sense. But they try to push that nonsense over here. So it kind of gives me, once again, you know, this whole thing about globalist takeover of the world and, you know, destroy everybody's freedoms and, you know, and democracy in its own right is, uh, you know, it, it, it's a globalist problem. And it's not just here, it's everywhere. But apparently, like I said before, we're getting a lot of outside influence into this country. 
that's giving us more than more you know more than a more than a bad situation for us. Should we? I mean, you're talking about people coming into the country and you know trying to break in. You're not talking about legal immigration. I mean, you're okay with legal immigration, right? Or you're talking about people who are sneaking in. Is that is that what you're having? Legal legal. Legal immigration, but outside influence, whether it be legal, whether it be illegal, wherever it comes from, you come to the United States and want to live here, then you, sh- you become part of the American community. Now, there's nothing wrong with, you know, being, you know, standing up for your own nationality from where you came from originally. That's fine. But when you sit there and try and influence our way of life to bring in, it's like, it's like Californians moving to conservative states. Right. They get out because they can't stand it in their own state, so they move to a place like Texas or Wyoming or you know, a, a, you know, Indiana, a, you know, a more conservative state. But they bring all that garbage politics with them and try and corrupt it when they're there. Right. Well, hell, right. that's the case. Why don't you just stay? Why don't you just stay where you are? Right. No, that's you know? that's so definitely. Don't try and overturn overturn something that works. Yeah, we're looking for something that doesn't work. Right. We're looking for more conformity. I mean, if you come to this country, you have to expect that you can't have things the way they were in your home country, because the way things were in their home country made it into the nightmare that it was. And it's why you left in the first place. But people seem to forget that. And the Californication effect that you're talking about is definitely something along those same lines. All right. Well, thanks, Fred. I appreciate you calling in and joining us this morning. I I, I, uh, love talking to you here. Hope you have a good weekend out there in Rhode Island. Let me jump over to this California. California thing because we're going to run out of time here before uh, anything uh, goes too far here. St. Benitez, St. Benitez, U.S. District Court Judge Roger Benitez has delivered another scathing rebuke to the state of California just yesterday. This comes after just weeks after declaring the state's ban on large capacity magazines unconstitutional. This time around, it was the state's ban on assault weapons that was before the judge. A case is called Miller versus Bonita. Benita, Benitez rather was unsparing in his criticism of the law, according to Cam Edwards. Uh, he says uh, the law bars ordinary Californians from possessing commonly owned firearms that are protected by the language of the Second Amendment. Um, I'm going to read some excerpts of this because this is so. So freaking good. Uh, You can see Benitez is kind of losing his patience with some of the arguments that we keep hearing on this. This is a 79-page decision. Obviously, I can't read all 79 pages, but uh, I'm going to read some of the uh, excerpts here out of this. This is Judge Benitez. He says, Modern semi-automatic rifles like the AR-15 platform are widely owned by law-abiding citizens across the state. Other than their looks, the state calls them features or accessories, these prohibited rifles are virtually the same as other lawfully possessed rifles. They have the same minimum overall length. They use the same triggers. They have the same barrels. They can fire the same ammunition from the same magazines at the same rate of fire and at the same velocities as other rifles. What is it then that animates the state's criminalization of possessing certain rifles as assault weapons? Is it that similar? Is it that similar rifles have been used in some mass shootings and that by virtue of this law, the legislature hoped to keep these modern weapons out of the hands of mass shooters? The California legislature at the time in the past when the lower courts did not recognize an individual's right to keep firearms and in a state that has no constitutional analog to the Second Amendment, the legislature balanced that interest above and against all law-abiding citizens who wanted these firearms for self-defense. That was then. 
Today, the Supreme Court has very clearly ended modern interest balancing when it comes to the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment, the court said, is is the very product of an interest balancing by the people, and it surely elevates above all other interests the right of law-abiding, responsible citizens to use arms for self-defense. It is this balance struck by the traditions of the American people that demands our unqualified deference. The American tradition is rich and deep in protecting a citizen's enduring right to keep and bear common arms like rifles, shotguns, and pistols. However, among the American tradition of firearm ownership, there is nothing like California's prohibition on rifles, shotguns, and handguns based on their looks or attributes. Here, the assault weapon prohibition has no historical pedigree, and it is extreme. Even today, neither Congress nor most states impose such prohibitions on modern semi-automatic arms. In contrast, the laws that punish criminal acts committed with any gun, like the crime of assault with a deadly weapon, remain perfectly constitutional. Those criminal laws are not at issue here. Then he goes on to tear apart some of the arguments from California as they try, in the spirit of Brune, to show historical analogies. But also, he first takes apart their interest balancing. The Bruin test does not require interest balancing, but the California, uh, uh, the attorneys in California attempted that. So he engages in a bit of his own rebuttal of California's argument banning commonly owned firearms because they're sometimes used in crimes and in, in things like that. He says, people have heard about the Robb Elementary shooting in Uvalde, Texas. They've heard about Sandy Hook, Parkland, the Pulse nightclub, and other tragic shootings. But they do not hear about the AR-15 used in Florida by a pregnant wife and mother to defend her family from two armed, hooded, and masked home intruders. As soon as the armed intruders entered the back door of her home, they pistol-whipped her husband, fracturing his eye socket and sinus cavity. They then grabbed the 11-year-old daughter. The pregnant-year-old wife was able to, the pregnant wife and mother was able to retrieve the family AR from the bedroom and fire, killing one of the attackers while the other fled. It does not require much imagination to think what would have happened next if the woman had lived in California and could not possess such a firearm. People do not remember the disabled 61-year-old man living alone on a 20-acre property in Florida with dense wood and a long dirt driveway. After the homeowner had gone to bed, three armed men with a shotgun, pistol, and BB gun invaded. One wore a Jason hockey mask. The disabled, vec- the disabled victim said he was awakened by a loud noise and grabbed the AR-15 lying near his bed. He saw the masked man and the second man coming toward him inside his home. Gunfire was exchanged. By the time the police arrived, one attacker had run away, one lay wounded outside, and one was dead in the dining room. Police found the disabled man in his bedroom alive but bleeding from a gunshot wound to the stomach. The AR-15 lay across his legs. Without his modern rifle, the victim would have become an evidence tag and a forgotten statistic. Uh, And he goes on. He just keeps going on and talking about this. But this is the kicker. California's assault weapons ban takes away from its residents the choice of using an AR-15 type rifle for self-defense. Is it because modern rifles are used so frequently for crime? No. The Justice Department reports that in the year 2021, in the entire country, 447 people were killed with rifles of all types. From this one can say that based on national population of 320 million, rifles of any kind, including ARs, were used in homicides only 0.000014% of the time. 
Put differently, if 447 rifles were used to commit 447 homicides and every rifle-related homicide involved in AR, it would mean that approximately of the approximately 24,400,000 ARs in stock nationally, less than 0.0000183% were used in homicides. It begs the question, what were the other AR-15 type rifles used for? The only logical answer is the 24,399,553 or 99.999985% of ARs were used for lawful purposes. I mean, this is, you, you've got to go read this thing. This is an amazing, this whole decision is just amazing. Uh, I wish we had more time to get into it, but we're, we're running out. we got to go. Uh, we're going to be back in more in just a few minutes. The Michael Duke Show continues. It's your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Willie Waffle is up next. We're going to do the weekend movie review. It's fast two hours, isn't it? Back with more after this. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Okay. We got, uh, what am I doing here? I got so many bells and whistles. I got like two keyboards, three keyboards, two mouse, three mouse, three mice. Six screens, a bunch of microphones. Oof, man. Yeah, this uh, this piece, uh, for this this decision from Benitez, is amazing. I mean, it is absolutely amazing. Uh, let me put a let me put a link from the Sec- Second Amendment Foundation uh, has posted a link with uh, the whole thing in it. Let me see if I can post it in here. Here it is right there. That's the Miller decision from Judge Benitez. You got a half hour and a good cup of coffee? You should read that right there. That is some amazing stuff right there. It's uh it's great. Okay, let me um let me let me go back over here uh and uh and do this here. See what you guys have been talking about. Um Jeannie says Barbara has a great idea. Get guest host from the Peanut Gallery. There you go. Um, uh, Tyler goes on to talk about his comment previously about he can't believe that American citizens would attack each other based on what's going on in other countries. Oh, my thing is slowing down here. I should have uh, I should have reloaded the page. Oh man. Uh, I'll just I'll just read you what he says. Take these countries out of the question and insert it with whatever you want. The fact of the matter is people are attacking other people for the actions of other foreign countries, and it's asinine. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more, uh, Tyler. Um, I'm going to hide that now because it just popped up finally. Um, Barbara says, I get it, but you do make it look easy. Well, thank you. Any 12-year-old can do it with 30 years of experience. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, they won't. They won't push to take the guns. They will push to take the ammo. Says Mike. That's been. You know. They've attempted that before. Remember all the different. Uh, 
when they were doing, they shut down the lead plant, a Herculeum lead plant, and then the OSHA was came in and rewrote a bunch of the regulations regarding ammunition manufacturing. And the, I mean, it was a they were going to try and do it through edict. That's definitely part of the problem. Um, um, they are finding out, says Jeannie, that SCOTUS isn't going to let the ban let the ban let them ban anything that has component has gun components either. I think that's what she was trying to say. Um, the Capitol building was taken over by pro-Palestinian forces who shut down the business of the day instigated by Tlaib. Any arrests made or calls for impeachment, says Jim. This is why I don't pay attention to the national Washington, D.C. news, because that place is just such a zoo. I mean, it just, I mean, does it, you're not, you're not helping anything. You're not helping anything. At this point. All right. Well, what are you guys planning on doing this weekend? Since we're getting into the weekend, what are you what are you guys planning on doing? Anything important? Anything new? Anything happening? What are you guys thinking? What are you doing? What do you know? What do you love? What? 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 Sorry. People on the podcast are like, what are you doing? I'm wiggling my eyebrows. Wiggling my eyebrows. Uh, okay. Um, that's what I'm doing. Oh, got a long weekend ahead of me. Going to be doing the, going to be doing the show for, uh, for a while there. Um, we've got just about, um, I'm going to delete that. Okay. Delete that. We got about 90 seconds here. Um, Oh, I just got a new caller. I forgot to turn the phones off. Caller, I'm sorry to say this, but I'm uh, I got Willie on my phone here. He's buzzing me right now. We're getting ready to jump into Willie Waffle, so I won't have time for your phone calls. So I apologize, but goodbye. Goodbye. I just killed all the phones right there. I apologize, Mister Z. I apologize, Mister Lion. I apologize. The Cab Calloway. Oh man, so good. All right. Um, we are ready to go. Mike says he's going to be working. Jackie says he's going to the gun show. Jack, Jim says he's going to the gun show, an outdoor show in range time. Brian says he's getting his beard groomed. I should have gotten a haircut before I come up here. My beard is starting to get a little puffy again. Worst part is I've got less hair on my head, and the, hair, the slower it grows on my head, the faster it grows on my face. So what are you going to do? Um... <laughs> Oh, man. Politidix bragging about 90-degree weather where he's at. Oh, don't want to say I hate you, but damn. Damn. Okay, well, do me a favor. Please like and share. Like and follow. Uh, do all that kind of stuff. Let's do the youtube things and everything else. Let's get things ready to go. Uh, and we will continue. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty-based. Free-thinking radio. Let's do it. Okay, we are all ready. I'm ready. Got a long weekend ahead of me. Oof, man. 
All right, we're ready to go. Uh, Willie Waffle, WaffleMovies.com, bringing all the entertainment and uh, movies and streams and everything else. It's all good. Uh, let's let's go. Um, uh, let's start off over here. Uh, hello, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I feel like I've lived an entire lifetime after seeing this new Martin Scorsese movie. Yeah, you had a late night last night for sure. What, three and a half hours long or something? Ooh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, oh, yeah. It's crazy stuff. All right, well, uh, we'll get to that here in a minute. Um, let's first, since it's Firearms Friday, let's talk a little bit about Alec Baldwin. He's uh, he, he, yeah. was, he was cleared. He wasn't cleared. He was cleared. He wasn't cleared. Now he's in jeopardy again. Give me the rundown here. So when the prosecutors uh, decided not to charge him several months ago, they reserved the right to come back in case some new evidence came forward. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yes, the New Mexico prosecutors are reconvening a grand jury to possibly charge Alec Baldwin again in the shooting death of the cinematographer of his movie Rust. Now, they are arguing that new evidence has come to light that they feel will find Baldwin criminally culpable and that new charges should be filed and that um, they sh- he should be taken to court and tried for these charges. Now, there, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of thought about what what is it? Like, like what do they have? You know, was it that he encouraged some unsafe practices on the set? that would have inevitably led to something like this? Was it, uh, you know, that you know he knew about something that he didn't act upon? We don't really know yet. And, and it looks like the grand jury will come together probably within a few weeks, and uh, the bombshell will be dropped. And uh, we'll have to see if it's uh, big yeah. enough. But uh, if, if I usually, let's face it, you know, if you take somebody to a grand jury, it's very rare that a grand jury says, nah, don't try them for the crime. Right, right. They almost they- universally go along with the right it's almost always a slam dunk on that as far as getting them up for prosecution um i know that there was a lot of talk about how uh they were using the prop guns to actually go shooting with which is a huge no-no and so if he was aware of that and allowed it that could be i mean who knows i'm just speculating here but yeah there was a lot of weird stuff that was going on the biggest speculation i've heard is that he wanted them to fix the gun in a way that he didn't have to pull the trigger for it to go off and that he should have known this. That's the biggest speculation that's out there. That's huge speculation. And I want to make it very clear. That's speculation until, until it comes out or somebody says, this is what it is, but that's one of the possibilities. Nice. Well, I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens there. All right. Moving down the list. Um, the fall of the House of Usher. Uh, yeah, now, baby. I watched the first three episodes of this, and I was oh. I was so shook. I was like, "Whoa!" I mean, it is. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's spooky. It's uh, graphic. It's this is not a movie for the faint, or this is not a series for the faint of heart. No. And by the way, it gets better. Oh man! Like on, honest to God, I felt like around episode four, it just took off like a rocket ship. So you're in for some fun. Well, I, I can't wait to see. It did really well on Netflix, right? It hit uh, oh, number t- number two on the charts, or 
Yep, hit number two on the Netflix charts uh, for the week, uh, only second to uh, the Beckham documentary or docu-series or whatever they're calling it. Uh, you know, just over the course, remember, it opened on like a Friday. So we're talking like a Friday, a Saturday, a Sunday. They had 6.3 million views in the first four days. So throw in Monday there, too. Nice. And, uh, yeah, and, and Beckham is the only thing that did better. They It was at 11.6 million views. It was also in its first full week of release. And they had seven days to accumulate that 11.6. So wow. we'll see how, how it goes in week two and week three. But uh, I think uh, Netflix is very happy to be in the Mike Flanagan business. Oh, yeah. I and bet. I, I bet. I, I have a feeling we're going to find out what he's working on next for them very, very soon. <laughs> you bet. You bet. <laughs> Overall take on the series, now that you've seen the whole thing, what do you think? Oh, I really liked it. I really liked it. Uh, you know, I, I just... You know, the thing that gets me is, yes, we, we have the whole supernatural aspect, the horror aspect, but I love the writing and I love the monologues. And, and I'm going to throw out my favorite one. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I cannot look at lemons the same way again okay. after watching this this monologue that they run about lemons it's fantastic oh man i gotta tell you katie siegel is it's such a different character for her that's yes a, and it, that's his wife and she just plays this the whole thing is just so bizarre uh but uh yeah intense and interesting i can't wait to see what happens uh what happens next so i'll probably be watching that uh this next week um uh, beckham by the way i also did a review of beckham i don't know if we talked oh, about it or uh, we haven't because yeah. i just don't want to buy into those idiots but go ahead you you, you just you tell me what you thought wait a <laughs> second you don't want to buy into the idiots i walked in and terry was watching it like one day it was like 10 or 12 minutes in and she put it on pause you know and it says beckham on the screen i'm like are you watching a documentary about soccer she goes yeah i i some one of my friends said they were liking it so <clears throat> so anyway, she started playing it again, and like 10, 15 minutes later, I'm still sitting on the couch. Oh, and, my. And then I'm like, this is really good. And so I continued okay. to watch it, continued to watch it, and yeah, it was amazing. I mentioned it on the show, and uh, my dad called me, and then somebody else uh, texted me the other day and said, hey, I heard you talk about it. I'm glad I watched it. Thanks for telling me about it. Um, it was a really, really good docu-series. Really? Well, yeah. You may be changing my mind, because I usually find those things very self-serving. Like, no. you know, like, you know th these these guys, like, you know, they're in this thing. They're only going to let certain things come out. Uh, you know, they've got an image to protect. You're, you're telling me that somebody pulled back the veil? Well, this we is, had yeah. some honesty. Fisher Stevens um, directed it, and he's the one that oh, does all oh, the interviews. He's good. And yeah. it was it was really really good, man. I I have a whole newfound respect for David Beckham, and what they went through and his struggle and and the down times and the up times and everything else. It's a it's a I enjoyed it. I completely enjoyed it. All so, right, all you right. may have me sold. You uh, may have it. Well, it's on Netflix, which brings us to the next story about Netflix. Maybe they're getting into the live sports game. Oh yeah. You know, everybody else is like all the streaming services all have some sort of deal with sports. So Netflix, well, you know how they are. They're not going to make a deal. Right. They're going to create their own. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yes. So Netflix is going to have the Netflix Cup golf tournament for the first time ever live sports starting November 14th. It will be a golf tournament pitting. The race car drivers from their Drive to Survive documentary series against the golfers from their golf documentary series, Full Swing. <laughs> and 
it, it's going to be a tournament that takes play. I know, right? Wow. Of course, they're going to use their own people. Yeah. Uh, yes, it'll it'll be a tournament that will take place at the Wind Golf Club, uh, right there on the Strip in Vegas, if I remember correctly. So that'll be kind of cool. Uh, and listen, I, I, I think this is a great example. One of the things I like about Netflix is they kind of dip their toe into the water. They kind of, you know, they, they kind of want to be careful. Let's face it. They had a lot of problems uh, with some other live uh, streaming uh, streaming uh, programs that they were going that they've done in the past. Uh, I think that, you know, they want to make sure they can prove to themselves that they can do something like golf or they can do sports like right, this. Right. So I, I think they're just trying to ease their way in. Also, they don't have to spend a ton of money to the MLB or the NHL or the NBA or any of these other places because they own this. Yeah. And they're going to have more money coming up soon, my friends. Uh-oh. I don't know I don't know if y'all heard about this yet, but you re- you might remember Uncle Mike and Uncle Willie a few weeks ago were talking about how, you know, when when there's a strike and major corporations lose money, they always find a way to get it from somebody else. Well, guess what? It's official. Oh, Netflix is raising prices. Again. The basic plan, yes. The basic plan, which you can't even subscribe to anymore, by the way. The basic plan is going to go from $9.99 a month to $11.99 a month. And the premium plan, the one I got, because I don't like commercials and I like HDTV, is going from $19.99 a month to $22.99 a month. Yeah, they're 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 going oh, in high man. hog, baby. And and you know, and, and the funny thing is, I know where these numbers came from. Guess where they came from? Get ready for this. This is fun. When the strike between when the strike talks between the actors and the producers fell apart, one of the things that they were talking about was that if they went if if the producers agreed to the actor's proposal for streaming it would cost something like an extra dollar 50 dollar 75 per subscriber hey wait a minute guess what wait a minute yeah, guess what wait here, a minute here, here it comes baby here it comes yeah all right yeah i guess they figured out that that's going to come out of our pockets rather yeah, than theirs exactly yeah we're going to have to pay for it all right we're running out of time but i really wanted oh, to get to this one michael kane is retiring. Yes. Michael Caine is retiring. Matter of fact, he is retired. Uh, you know, the, the actor announced that his, his latest film, which is only playing in the UK right now, it's called The Great Escaper. He said this is going to be his last movie. You know, he, he's been doing movies since 1956. He's done, I mean, just massive movies. I mean, Alfie, The Prestige, oh, yeah. Batman Begins. He's a two-time Oscar winner. I mean, the guy has done some really big stuff. And and he decided that, you know, after, you know, COVID kind of hit and he didn't do a lot of stuff, and he wanted to go out on top. And he wanted to go out with something he was proud of. And he really loves this movie. I, I'm hoping that this will become available via streaming in the United States somehow. Uh, he plays and a uh, he plays a World War II veteran who escapes from his elderly care home because he wants to go to the 70th anniversary of the D-Day landings at France because he he was a vet. He was part of it. Wow. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully that will come soon. And. Uh, Good luck, Michael Caine. Yeah. You deserve a nice, wonderful retirement. What an amazing actor. He is really yeah. one of my favorite all-time actors. Okay, to the streams, quickly here. Got about four minutes. The Burial, Tommy Lee Jones, is back. Yeah, and this isn't, you know, and listen, 
this is not the greatest movie ever. I'm just going to throw that out there, right? It's on Prime Video. It's it's Tommy Lee Jones. He plays this uh, this funeral homeowner. Uh, you know, he's kind of getting you know tough times uh, in his business. It's about 1995. Uh, you know, he's found himself in a little bit of trouble because he also sells uh, burial insurance. So the regulators uh, have found some you know in, not I wouldn't say illegal improprieties, but some bad management. And so he thinks he makes a deal to sell a part of his business to this big conglomerate that screws him. So he decides to fight back and he hires Jamie Foxx as his lawyer. And I think the best way to talk about Jamie Foxx in this movie is think of Johnny Cochran and, and, uh, and the lawyer from Seinfeld put oh, together. That's geez. who this guy is. Okay. Oh, uh, Jack, Jackie Childs and Johnny Cochran put together. And so, and, and, you know, listen, it has some fun moments. It's very heavy into the racial aspects and, and, and what's been going on with the business and who he serves and, and how, how, how African-Americans are treated by this other business, the, a whole bunch of that stuff. I'm at like two and a half waffles. I think you've got some good courtroom scenes. Jamie Foxx is always very likable. Tommy Lee Jones is always very likable. Two and a half waffles for the burial. All right. Uh, that's good. Takes us down to the last two and a half minutes here. The brand new a Scorsese movie, Killers of the Flower Moon. This is the long one you just watched last night. Give me the run. Three, three and a half hours. And I'm telling you, man, it's worth every minute of it. It really is. It is such, you know, it's Martin Scorsese, people. Come on. The guy is the, the, one of the greatest filmmakers ever. And and here we have uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, and Robert De Niro, a whole bunch of folks uh, in, in Osage County in uh, Oklahoma at a time when um, the, the Native Americans there have become very well off because oil has been found on their land. And uh, the, the people surrounding them, led by Robert De Niro, are a bunch of schemers and a bunch of horrible, horrible people. And they have come up with schemes to marry into the Native American families and inherit all the land rights, the oil rights. And when that doesn't happen fast enough, they start killing people off. Oh, man. Is yeah. this is this based on a true story, I'm assuming? It is. Yeah. It is. It is actually based on a true story. This is something that actually really did happen. And, uh, you know, just, you know, the, the way that Scorsese just, he builds the story, you know, just, you know, from, from what seems like this innocent little town, isn't this, this great story that these people have made it well. And then you start to see the evil around every corner and the way Uh, the greed is seeping into everybody. And, 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 you know, it becomes like a gangster film and De Niro's the head gangster. Oh gosh, of course he is. you you see his plotting, his scheming, the 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 way it's starting to get deeper and deeper and deeper, and then finally, oh, it's all going to explode. I, you know what? I'm going four waffles. I love holy, this movie. Holy cow! Okay, four waffles yeah. for Killers of the Flower Moon, and that's available in theaters right now. Yes, at- and it will very quickly be coming to Apple Plus Television, Apple TV Plus, because that's who paid for this movie. It was originally going to be all streaming. And they realized they wanted to put it in theaters, get extra money, get Oscar nominations, and get it onto Apple TV Plus later in the year or early next year. You think this is a contender for the Oscars? Oh, yeah, it's a contender. I don't know if it's a winner yet. I don't know if it's a winner yet, but uh, it's a contender. All right. So four waffles for Killers of the Flower Moon. The Burial on Prime Video gets two and a half waffles. Willie Waffle. Wafflemovies.com. Thank you, my friend. It's good to talk with you. As always, I appreciate you uh, coming on. Hey, you know, we'll, we'll do it again next week. It's, it was so much fun. I just, you know, every week it's <laughs> something new and unique. Thank you, my friend. All right, folks, we are out of time. we got to go. 
We will see you on Tuesday. Remember, I'm off on Monday. I'm traveling. We'll see you then. I mean, you sound like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over this thing. Um, is it? Is it's. I mean, it's 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 all the levels to it. I mean, you know, yeah, DiCaprio's a really good actor. Yep, yep. he's very good. You know, and 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 you've got this stellar cast of, of supporting characters and 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 you know bit players that, that everybody just seems so perfect for their role. I mean, just little things that like you know, the thing that got me. I, I'm sitting there watching the movie and I'm thinking. There's always this really cool music kind of underscoring everything. Right, right, Setting right. the mood, setting the tone, raising the stakes, raising the emotions when we need it. There's, you know, and then there's the quiet moments. It's almost like, you know, he intentionally takes away everything, strips it away down to the bare quiet and makes you lean in and listen, which is kind of hard when the Taylor Swift movie's playing next door <laughs> and I'm, I'm hearing every song right. almost as clearly as I'm hearing Leonardo DiCaprio. Right, right. <laughs> but de- def- is it a big screen movie or should I wait for it to stream? You know... I don't think you're going to lose anything on streaming, to be honest with you. Okay. I, you know, I love seeing it in the theater. I'm glad I saw it in the theater. I enjoyed it in the theater. But, you know, if, if I had to wait until it came out on streaming, I don't think I'd be missing much. I, I think that you're you're just because it's it's not a spectacle story. Right. It's, it's, it's a story. I mean, it's, it's about the emotions. It's about, right. you know, the, the, the actions that are happening, not so much, you know, the CGI. So. All right, my friend. Well, we'll see you next week with something new. Um, yeah, we'll see. Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, I can't wait. My kids are going crazy for that. Are thing. they really? Oh. Well, and you know, it's on Peacock on Friday, just as well as being in theaters. So if yeah. you don't make it to theaters next week on Friday, you can watch it on Peacock. All right, thanks, Willie. I appreciate it. All right, folks, we are out of time. We got to go. I'll see you on Tuesday, unless you come out and see me at the Carlson Center this weekend. Have a great, have a great weekend. Slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.